Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co here on CKNX. I am Ryan Drury. I'll be joined by Clarky. No savvy this week. He's on a staycation, but we've got another great special guest. TSN Radio Vancouver's John Abbott will join us to talk free agent frenzy, the Canucks, the Leafs, Petrangelo, all of it. Clarky and I will cover some of our favorite sports moments on the five-year anniversary of the bat flip from Jose Bautista. And of course, as always, we'll be joined by our wagering expert, Chris Abbott from CoolBet. You're listening to and watching MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Hey everybody, welcome back to MWO Sports this week. Brought to you as always by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury alongside Clark, and we've got another great special guest on the program. TSN Vancouver's John Abbott joins us. John, how are you? I'm great. Ryan Clarkie, nice to be joined by you guys today. Thanks for having me on, and uh, nice to catch up along the way here. Yeah, we really appreciate it during these uh, crazy COVID times that we're in. And speaking of crazy times, NHL free agent frenzy, it has been pretty wild. There are still a lot of quality players left, but out in the market you cover, uh, people are pretty upset with the Vancouver Canucks. Um, it's it's so strange, John, because the, the team makes the playoffs. They had an exciting year. Everybody's really happy with Jim Benning and the group, all these great young players. Patterson's tearing up the league. And now, just a few months later, everybody is pretty disappointed in what they've been up to out there. What is the feeling out in Vancouver? What are the main things the fans are upset about? Uh, well, depends on how much time we have on the show, I think, uh, depending Plenty. on how long my answer is going to be. But uh, yeah, it was, I can tell you, the pitchforks were out for Jim Benning previously uh, before the Nate Schmidt signing. So things have calmed a little bit. I think uh, maybe those pitchforks are still at the ready, uh, but they've just been capped a little bit uh, to wait to see what other moves that Jim Benning can pull off. But um, I, I think the anxiousness within the Vancouver market arrives from having bittersweet moments in 94, going to the Stanley Cup final, losing Game 7. 2011, uh, people don't even like bringing that up around here, but same thing, Stanley Cup final and Game number 7. So uh, they've pushed that pain behind. They've lived through uh, torts. Remember, he was coaching here, and then they lived through uh, Willie Desjardins, who had the slight uptick of the first year of the playoffs that's the last time they were in was uh, 2014-15 until this past season so uh they they've suffered and so this bright light at the end of the tunnel is represented by quinn hughes and patterson and bo horvat uh good ontario boy with the captain c and uh now you have jt miller on a good deal and so uh the canucks fans were finally able to sink their teeth into that playoff run that left them a win away from going to the western conference championship and then you lose your MVP goaltender, Jacob Markstrom. You lose a backbone on your defense who's paired with Quinn Hughes, Chris Tanev. You don't even make an offer to Tyler Toffoli. And then a, a local boy, Troy Stetcher, who grew up in uh, nearby Richmond, who was a season's ticket holder during the Sedin era, uh, was not even addressed in free agency either, like not even investigated. So, and you lose him. So quite quickly, the fans were wondering, what direction are we going in here? How are we going to salvage this? And they've managed to kind of through Holtby and through Schmidt, ease the pain a little bit there. So let's talk about the goaltending. Markstrom in, Holtby, or Markstrom out, Holtby in. How do you handicap that transaction? How do you think they'll be moving forward with Holtby in net? Or do they give it to uh, 
Thatcher Demko. Yeah, Thatcher Demko, yeah. Yeah, well, I think eventually the baton is going to be passed to Demko Clarkie. So you're right on there. And as a man that knows the position, um, you know all too well that uh, there's very few guys, it seems, um, that can play as many games as Markstrom did uh, with uh, the type of defense he had in front of him and succeed. And I think that's why fans were so attached to Jacob Markstrom, because he was a feel-good story. In fact, he was the last remaining piece of that Roberto Luongo trade as well. He was the only uh, recipient remaining from that trade, which, by the way, is also cast costing them on the, the cap with the cap recapture penalty. So that's another discussion. But uh, so most anticipated, hey, this was Markstrom's team. He was the guy to get them to a Stanley Cup final. Then he was injured at the end of the stoppage. Then he was injured in the playoffs. And this Thatcher Demko kid almost stole it from the, the Golden Knights. And so... Uh, I think fans were disappointed, uh, were wondering if they were going to commit the same type of money to another veteran guy, and then that would have been confusing. But uh, for the most part, they like the fact that Holtby is cheap, uh, well below what he earned in Washington. Two years, which means they don't have to expose Demko to the Seattle expansion draft because you can't lose him and Markstrom. Those pitchforks will be back out. And uh, Holtby has a Stanley Cup and a Vesna. So I think all in all... The offset there is pretty good in net, uh, but the question remains, can that tandem replace Jacob Markstrom individually? Because that's how good Markstrom was for the Canucks, and that's how many mistakes he covered up. So uh, that's still going to be a big question, Clarky, if those two can get it done. Now, you mentioned Demko playing well um, in, the, in the playoffs this year. To me, he came out of nowhere. Did you expect that from him in the playoffs? Not even close to that. I think the belief in Thatcher Demko from uh, the media, from the fan base, uh, from the team is very strong. I think they earmarked him as their succession plan, even though Jacob Markstrom was playing very well. And I think they're okay in an ideal world to wait a little bit with Demko and keep Markstrom. But that didn't happen. So I think that's been sped up a little bit. But it also has increased uh, the timeline because of that performance against Vegas. And so here's a guy that... uh, Around here, people like to consider him following a Corey Schneider plan where he was the heir apparent. He ironically came out of Boston College as well, went to the American Hockey League, paid his dues, became a young backup. And so um, yet when the stoppage arrived and uh, the COVID uh, canceled the season, the Canucks were not headed for a playoff spot and Demko was struggling. So, yeah, that was absolutely a surprise, but a pleasant one. And I think um, it changed the way that uh, this group looks moving forward because of that. John, obviously, you know, the salary cap, it's it's a reality of the sport now. Almost all of our sports have it, except for essentially baseball. Um, The Canucks have some problems. I mean, coming forward here, Elias Pettersson is able to be extended now. He's in that final year of his ELC. I think that he's probably looking at a number with a 10 in front of it. Uh, And I would say he deserves that. But they're going to have some problems here with this team. Man, they've got Louis Erickson still on their cap at $6 for two more years. Uh, Another guy that's kind of fallen off with injuries a little bit, Brandon Sutter for another year year and you mentioned that Roberto Luongo thing uh, with the cap recapture that's going to last another three seasons I believe how are they going to shuffle the deck here and and sign all these guys and they've only got six defensemen under contract yeah and three of them are making six million next year <laughs> so, yeah so there's that too as well but uh, yeah Ryan and Clarkie uh, it's no secret that 
the Vancouver Canucks are cash strapped, and uh, and and that has been a very big problem. And so, uh, as difficult as it as it was for fans to say goodbye to Tanev and Markstrom, the names we already mentioned, to not be able to bring in to Foley, who was you know resigned on a, or signed on a reasonable clip by Montreal, uh, to lose some of the guys they did in free agency. I think the understanding is okay. Well, th- it's difficult, but. You have to keep that big picture in mind because in two years, Hughes and Pedersen are going to need those big deals. And so uh, part of the problem Jim Benning has created is by signing veteran guys to long-term big money deals and overvaluing them in the present maybe, but then living with them uh, it, down the road when their play is declining. And that is the names that you mentioned. That is Jay Beagle, Antoine Roussel for a couple more years at $3 million plus, Sven Berchi, uh, who's still on the or under contract but not playing for the team. Uh, and you can't bury as much of that in the American Hockey League. Michael Furlan, who's making over $3 million, don't know if he's going to be able to play next year. Oh, and then there's Jake Furtanen, who's probably going to get between 3 and $4 million through an arbitration case. Uh, so those are the types of players that are impeding um, Jim Benning doing more with his team now. His best opportunity to move a, deal, a body out, I think, was in the possible Oliver ekman Larson contract, guys. We know that didn't happen uh, or trade. And so I think I'd be very surprised if he's able to move anybody at this point. Um, so I think it's a buyout that's most likely. And uh, I don't know how appetizing that is to the ownership group so it very well could be status quo for the vancouver canucks when it comes to their their heavy contracts and with the flat cap i don't see any immediate uh, relief of that and that's part of the the negative side with jim benning john how is jim benning looked at by by canuck fans i mean you went from mike gillis who in my mind was one of the worst general managers around i mean he totally in my mind screwed up the the goaltending trade when he was trying to i think he outsmarted himself i thought he was going to get a deal done he really never did and and now you got to jim benning how is he looked at by the fans is this guy getting hammered it's a rocky road. <laughs> he was given an extension uh, before the end of uh, this past season. And I think fans were wondering, you know, if the Canucks missed the playoffs, uh, you know, when we thought it was going to be a regular season this past year, if they if they went on to miss the playoffs, would that have been another coach they're paying not to coach here? Or excuse me, a GM they're paying uh, not mm-hmm. to be with the team. And I think that was a possibility if they weren't saved by the the NHL return to play, if you will, uh, and modified playoff format, expanded teams and all that and points percentage. I think it would have been dire straits for Jim Benning. So he's bought himself some time um, with drafting Hughes and Pedersen. He's bought himself some time with a JT Miller trade working out because the first rounder they gave up was not a popular choice at the beginning. And now he's bought himself some time with Holtby and Schmidt. So he continues to inch himself forward, and yet all of his mistakes, as you guys have pointed out, are are very well known, and they're out there for everyone to see. So if those continue to haunt him, and the team isn't able to win with Hughes and Pedersen when they're cheap, or if they're not able to win with Hughes and Pedersen at the beginning of their expensive deals, uh, it is, it's just going to be the book written off on Jim Benning, whether you like some of what he's done or not. And uh, I think, frankly, guys, uh, many are surprised he's lasted this long because mm-hmm. uh, when, you, when you think of GMs in the league and Canadian markets being hired in 2014, 
and to have uh, two playoff runs during that time, one of which was this past one, as mentioned, uh, and to be a cap team every year through that, uh, most guys probably wouldn't have that long a leash. John, it's interesting too, you know, speaking of Benning and some of the moves he made, I mean, you mentioned some of the bottom six guys. And when you look at the Vancouver Canucks, like people like to poke fun at Clarkie's Maple Leafs and say they're top heavy. Man, when you look at the goal share on the Vancouver Canucks, they are extremely top heavy. They are not squeezing a lot of offense out of that bottom six. And you've got veteran guys, like you said, that are making a lot of money. Antoine Roussel's making $3 million. I don't think there's a hockey fan on earth I can confidently say that loves Jay Beagle more than me. I'm a diehard Capitals fan. I was sad to see him go, but when he got the contract he did out there, I said, good for Beagle. I'm really glad Washington didn't give him that. He's a fourth line center that almost never played 82 games. I mean, I don't think from my perspective, I have a problem with the guys he signed. It's the deals he gave them. Like I'm sure Antoine Roussel's a, a, a great guy, Three million bucks. I mean, man, Sven Berchi, he's making a lot of money. And then you look at, you know, the defense core. You mentioned the three guys there that are almost making all six million. Alex Edler, who is older, injury problems. Tyler Myers, who has fit in nicely there, and and he's actually lived up to that contract. And then Nate Schmidt. When you look at the guys coming up, that only you a levy pick is starting to look a little worrisome. I watched him in the OHL and thought he was a really, really good prospect, but fans don't care about that. They don't care about what they looked like at the time. They're going to look back and say, Matthew Kachuk and guys like that got picked right after him. What are the fans feelings toward that? You levy pick are people panicking a little bit there because he is on the verge of becoming a bust. Well, you know the market when you mention Kachuk in the same breath because that has been played out uh, time and time and time again. And by the way, if you're a Capitals fan, I think we've been uh, dubbed in these parts now as Capitals North. So uh, maybe yeah. it's not too late to, uh, with Holtby, Schmidt, and Beagle uh, wearing Canucks jerseys to convert there. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a difficult dance, a delicate dance. And the position uh, that Jim Benning has put himself in is one in which... He could probably, um, well, not even probably, he could really use Ole Levy to be fruitful. Uh, think of what an entry-level contract could do on the blue line, even if he is in a 5-6 a hole, which is probably where he would be right now anyway. Uh, to go through that process, well, you know what? It was Ulevi that at the time had won, uh, as, as you guys know, won a Memorial Cup playing the first unit power play uh, for Dale Hunter played all two minutes he was the only defenseman out there and uh so the eyes were cast on him won the world juniors that year with finland as a, a, a 16 17 year old very young defenseman on that star finish team and so he had the year of his life and got drafted in the first round early and since then has not been able to live up to it has consistently been injured hasn't even played in a, a full american hockey league season yet and now he is supposed to be a guy that might need to fit in next year. And I just don't see how the Canucks can move forward calling themselves competitors and also have him on the regular uh, 82 slash 60 slash sub 60 game regular season roster. So there's no easy answer. There's no easy fix. And I think that's again, why Jim Benning is probably going to have to go out and spend some money on a, a fifth, sixth pair guy. 
Okay, we've spent way too much time on the Vancouver Canucks on the show. <laughs> Moving on. Okay. Hey, hey, um, I'm impressed, actually. You guys did a good job. Transitioning, John, who is based in Vancouver, a little east now. Um, and the bombshell dropped by the, the uh, Golden Knights owner, Bill Foley, this past week about maybe because of COVID in all Canadian division this year. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that might happen? I think all signs are pointing to yes, Clarkie. Uh, considering where our government's at, considering the difference, uh, as you guys know, even between the provinces, uh, you look at the restraints and protocols in Ontario, they're not the same as uh, here where I am in British Columbia. And so when you can't even get everyone collectively to agree, never mind the, the red tape through the legislature and uh, if you've ever sat on any council meetings or had to cover any of that stuff, you know it's a slow-moving process. So, uh, and 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 then they're talking about taking body checking out of the Ontario Hockey League. Like, it just seems crazy to think that a, a governing body is going to come together and allow something like Major League Baseball to move forward, where players can travel about their season as they regular would, and open up the borders just for the athletes. So I don't see that happening. I think it's going to be Canadian division. I think we're going to love every second of it. I think the battles are going to be intense. We're going to see uh, some rival rivalries renewed and heightened, and we're going to find out uh, some new rivalries along the way. So uh, I like it. I think it's the next best scenario. And uh, the question is, how long can they go on within that division before getting to some other competition and how badly do some teams need fans because i feel like there are some teams outside of vancouver and toronto that have the luxury of some deep pockets that are depending on the fans to be there yeah ottawa comes to mind maybe um they could definitely <laughs> use some people in the barn regardless of a, a pandemic uh, although they've been very active let's talk a bit about free agency and let's start with markstrom obviously he leaves vancouver after a couple really really impressive seasons and he goes and he signs with the calgary flames there's a nice rivalry there of course obviously two western canadian teams how do you think he'll fare in calgary obviously they lose tj brody to clarkie's maple leafs um how do you you think he'll perform out there status quo for jacob markstrom he's probably earned that uh, oh i think so yeah i mean he had a minor knee injury which is what set him back uh before the stoppage um when you know middle of march everything halted uh but he was rounding back into form to participate in the playoffs anyway so those that are in the know believe that's nothing major you always have to be slightly cautious with that but i think if he stays healthy He's probably the best starting goaltender in Calgary since Mika Kiprasov and could also could replicate the type of workload that Kiprasov handled year after year. Think how many games he played in the regular season. And so I could see that type of similarity developing with Markstrom. And to Clarkie's point with his Canadian division, isn't that the type of thing you love? I mean, personally out here, we'd love to see Marner and Matthews go head to head with Patterson and Miller and Hughes uh, more often, you know, two times a year seems like uh, it's robbing us of that entertainment value. And then you have two Canucks that end up with the flames in Tanev and Markstrom. That's an automatic that you're going to like. So the drama within the division is going to be great if it's the Canadian division and uh, a guy like Markstrom might very well be the extra push that puts the Flames ahead of the Canucks in the standings. Wouldn't that be something when we're all done? And yeah, the, he's uh, put them over the top for sure. Clarky, go ahead. 
Yeah, I was just going to say the uh, the other team in Alberta, of course, the Edmonton Oilers. Add former Leaf defenseman Tyson Berry, who had some harsh words for the media in Toronto. I thought I thought he got a pretty pretty easy ride when it came right down to it here in, in Toronto. But uh, how do you see him fitting in in Edmonton, which basically is a team sort of like Toronto with a lot of firepower up front? Well, it's crazy, isn't it? And uh, this is certainly not. Uh, I'm stealing this insight here from uh, social media, but to go from the Avs with McKinnon and Duchesne to the Leafs with Matthews and Marner to the Oilers with Dreisaitl and McDavid is a pretty good existence for a power play quarterback defenseman. So uh, he he's had it pretty good, Tyson Berry has, and uh, you know clearly did not live up to what was expected of him in Toronto. I think uh, I think it can work for. The Edmonton Oilers and Barry, he's a Westerner, he's from British Columbia, so he's maybe more at home uh, in that sense. Uh, and, and I just think living through the experience of Toronto, whether he considers it good or bad, is a unique experience that some players can't take at all, but it's, it's going to help develop them, whether they understand that or not. And so now I think he's in a much different place to go to another Canadian market that is demanding wins and demanding results and uh, will be all over him if the power play struggles. And so uh, I think actually it's going to make him better. And he, he must be the wiser on that a little bit because uh, it's believed the Canucks offered him over $5 million on a one-year deal. Uh, to play in Vancouver, to come home. And if he's turning that down with some pretty good power play options in Vancouver, then I think he must have been all in on Edmonton and probably the better for playing in Toronto, even though he doesn't realize it. Yeah, he was probably sold on Dave Tippett having the number one power play in the league last year and the number two penalty kill, which I don't think he'll feature on that. But I'm sure that the pull of number one power play and then, you know, Dreisaitl McDavid, those guys are pretty OK, I hear. Let's talk about Clarkie's Maple Leafs. What did you make of all of their activity? I mean, I'll give Kyle Dubas credit. He's done a lot to reshape the bottom six he's done a lot to try and reshape that blue line tj brody obviously their most noteworthy addition uh wayne simmons is coming home on a cheap deal i think he adds a lot of elements that the leafs desperately need what do you make of the leafs are 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 they a better team on paper right now than they were at the end of the season when they got ousted by columbus they should be, and yet, Clark, I'm going to go back to you on this one with uh, the goaltender being bantied about in rumors, and I know rumors are exactly that, but interesting to me that uh, you'd have Frederick Anderson you know, potentially being postured to be shipped out of town, and now uh, that's not the case, and so you pretend that never happened and life goes on, and uh, is he the guy to get them over the hump? Because I, I really think it, it ends with him maybe starts with him too. Uh, that doesn't mean that there doesn't, uh, that it, uh, the defense doesn't have to be full value. That's a big question mark in Toronto. Uh, of course, the, the offense uh, is going to be expected to be there in routine. I think we all recognize that. And now they have a little bit of toughness. And if you consider Simmons an upgrade over Clifford, which many probably would, uh, and on a shorter term deal, it's not David Clarkson uh, in any means. Let's hope. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think you can say they improved up front. They, they probably insulated themselves better up front. Their blue line reminds me of Vancouver a little bit. You know, Riley and Hughes are the staples. Uh, it's by committee with Muzzin and Brody, uh, like it would be Myers and Schmidt, I think, to fill uh, the top three of the four sides, in my opinion, uh, because I don't know if they have a clear-cut uh, number two uh, behind Morgan Riley. So, 
uh, you know, if they have better pieces that align with each other, uh, I think that they can be set ahead. But it, I look at it and go, okay, well, I think Anderson, Frederick Anderson is the swing piece. And um, they probably need a little bit more bulletproof goaltending from him, even though he did play well at times against Columbus. He has been a major topic on this show throughout the weeks, John. And I've come to the conclusion that they need to move on from Freddie. But the problem is you better have someone better because you can't go with Aaron Dell and Jack Campbell, even though Jack Campbell in my mind did look very good in the uh, limited time he did play for the Leafs last year. Um, but I think they needed an upgrade there and I don't think they're going to get it. And Dubas now has said that Freddie will be the starting goalie when the season starts. So, Hey, what do you think of these Joe Thornton rumors to Toronto? Do you think he's a fit? I keep hearing that too. Uh, Toronto and Vegas are the two that I've heard. And, and it's not too hard to understand why Vegas, uh, although, I don't know what kind of number they'd throw at him because uh, speaking of cash trapped against the cap, that would be certainly them with Petrangelo now there. But uh, with the connection with DeBoer and Spots uh, coming over from uh, San Jose, that seems like, hey, Vegas maybe would be a team that could lure him in. But uh, I think I think Joe Thornton uh, would – if, if the Leafs had Joe Thornton, let me put it this way. If the Leafs had Joe Thornton, uh, then they're more of a legit contender than anybody thinks because there's no way Jumbo Joe is passing up a chance to be uh, in his perfect bubble where he can be a competitor on the ice and just a laid-back, cool cat off the ice. Like, he, he is a California guy now. He is uh, – there's part of the re- – his personality is such, um, I believe, led into why he wasn't uh, – why he didn't want to wear the captaincy. You know, like he would rather be a guy that, yeah, can hold guys accountable, but also uh, kind of set the vibe in the room and, and live that California life. So if he's willing to give that up to go to Toronto, I think the belief is there that that's the team he's going to win with. And so that's that would have to be a good thing if you're a Maple Leafs fan. I wonder, too, if that's not maybe something that the Leafs could use, a, a bit of a you know a veteran-trusted guy. Arguably, I, I would say one of the top ten passers of all time. I mean, that, the guy can just put a puck anywhere he wants. Uh, still at 41, he can pass the puck better than almost anybody in the league. Um, going over to Switzerland, obviously, his wife's from Switzerland. He's going to play over there for free. But he says if the NHL starts up, he is dead set on coming back and, you know, Clarky, the Maple Leafs, and maybe a nice spot on that number two power play unit would maybe be something that would entice Jumbo Joe. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Let's talk. I've about always Vegas. been a fan. I, you know, I, I like Corey, I like Corey Perry too. Like I think he brings some mm-hmm. toughness, but he's not going to be able to play a full season. Now, who knows if we're going to have a full season? But you know what? He is he is my favorite non-Leaf. Of all time. Like, I love watching Corey Perry play. And if they could add him, because he's a free agent too. Who knows? But can you imagine Spezza, Perry, and Thornton? Oh, boy. Yeah, imagine if that was 10 years ago. Like an Olympic team. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. An Olympic line for sure. Uh, Let's touch on Vegas. And obviously, Alex Petrangelo, the biggest domino, he goes to Vegas. I got to commend Vegas. I mean, (laughs) they've only been in the league four seasons now, and they go hard. Like, when they fall, they they go right after the biggest chip, it seems. They add Mark Stone. They bring in Pacioretty. Now they go after Petrangelo and reshape their blue line. Were you surprised a that he left St. Louis and B that it was Vegas because John, I can't think recently off the top of my head of a, a player of that caliber winning a Stanley cup for a city and 
getting let go and, and be a captain. I mean, it is weird that he's not in St. Louis. It is very bizarre, especially because uh, when he was playing in the Ontario Hockey League, his nickname was Prongs, even before he got uh, drafted by St. Louis. And you know, that's kind of what he became in St. Louis, is that uh, that veteran guy that uh, no one had to worry about that was uh, pacing him to a Stanley Cup, um, much like Chris Pronger played, even though uh, no cup in St. Louis with uh, big number 44 on the blue line, had to wait till Anaheim. But that's the type of persona he took on, uh, you know, being wearing the captaincy and being the blue liner, I think is an easy uh, fit to, to compare him to Chris Pronger in lore, in legend status, if you will. So I was shocked that the blues were not going to be able to buck up for him. And there's all kinds of crazy reports as, as uh, Ryan and, and Clarkie, uh, you know, uh, but the fact that they were leaving some parts of his contract offer undefined at times, potentially, uh, others believe they were only willing to go in as deep as they uh, were for Tory Krug. So what you see Krug getting right now was going to be what they were going to stand pat uh, for Petrangelo. So, uh, obviously, somewhere along the line, they had a firm offer and they stuck to their guns. And Petrangelo uh, wisely realized that he's the biggest fish in the market. So uh, why wouldn't you, uh, despite the fact you probably love living there and you want a Stanley Cup there, why wouldn't you cash in? If there's anything we've learned about the time we're living in and also uh, athletes is that, uh, man, when that opportunity is there to hit the home run, you need to look long and hard at that. So Vegas is quite the landing spot, as you say, Ryan. Uh, it's remarkable what they've been able to pull off there. And uh, I think that's one of the true success stories of, of a longtime commissioner and Gary Bettman who goes back to, I think, 92, 93. So think of all the, the groundwork he's laid. I think Vegas is one of his biggest success stories in the National Hockey League because of how that market has uh, adopted that hockey team and, and how many guys want to play there. Well, it's certainly a nice distraction from Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, I needed that one. Although uh, we'll, uh, we'll remember the late, great Pat Quinn. <laughs> yes. Yes. Hey, John, I was going to ask you about the Montreal Canadiens, but I really don't care about the Montreal Canadiens, okay. so I'm not going to. So <laughs> what I'm going to ask, though, is I love telling stories about how I met the guys who we get on this show sometimes. John Abbott came into Leafs TV when I was there as an intern. Was it an intern? It was, yes. It was an intern. And John was in charge. In, yeah, and John was in charge of making sure our Chiron boards made it to air properly. And there might have been a couple of times the Chiron boards just didn't make it to air properly. But I realized shortly right. after that that <laughs> you're trying to shove a square peg into a round hole. Because, as you know, Ryan, I uh, know uh, Stuart Percy very well and, and billeted Stu. And I tried to always listen to, when Stu was playing on the road, the radio feed for the uh, opposition. So one day, Stuart Percy was playing uh, for Mississauga in Ottawa against the 67s. And I'm tuning around and I'm, hey, there's the game. So I'm listening to the game and I'm like, is that John Abbott? That's John Abbott. He's doing the play-by-play -play for the Ottawa 67s. Well, I don't know how much after that. It wasn't too much longer. And I, if I got my story straight here, John Bartlett, who was the voice of the Marlies, got a job with the Leafs. Did he was called? It's something happened anyway. Yes. And we were looking for a Marlies play-by-play -play guy. And I said to my boss, I said, John Abbott's your guy. And he looked at me, the guy who was on Chiron. Um, and I go, yeah, he's good. Just listen to him. 
And the rest is history, right, John? Uh, man, we all need a, we all need a break. We all need to start, and uh, we certainly all need to gain experience along the way. And you offered me uh, all of those, Clarky. Um, I, I couldn't have enjoyed myself more during that intern stint, which is the honest truth. I mean, to to be able to to learn so much from yourself and uh, Brian Duff, who was there, uh, worked with me very closely, and so many other great names still in the in the business. John Shannon, of course, was uh, running the whole ship, and uh, yeah, you know, you 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 have two choices when you make mistakes, and that's to learn from them and and try and be better, or it's uh, to think that you're not wrong and uh, and then probably uh, face the music. And so that's part of the learning experience. And to be, uh, I don't want to take too much time, but just, just to have a story where you're entrusted by people, you really love uh, the people you work with, uh, as I did with Clarkie and our crew there that uh, Chris had assembled. And then to be able to come back in a different role, and again, so many of the same people were there at Leafs TV at that time, and to, to fill a spot uh, with the Marlies was incredible. Um, so yeah, I owe a lot of my path to the, my time spent at MLSE and Leafs TV and um, and and Clarky for giving me an opportunity. And thank goodness you were listening to the radio that day. <laughs> yeah, it was funny how it, how it happened. Then you went to Vancouver as the play-by-play guy. Uh, for TSN Radio, and then they lost the rights. Is that what happened, John? Yeah, so long story short, uh, the radio group at TSN Vancouver, where I'm at now, 1040, uh, had the rights, I believe, for 11 years, and uh, we're very close to extending that for another five. Sportsnet, uh, overnight, we're led to believe, uh, entered the fray, and uh, so the Canucks chose to align themselves with the naming rights of the arena, their TV rights, and then uh, add the add the third uh, rights holder being the radio side. And uh, we all know the rivalry between TSN and Sportsnet, and so uh, none of our crew was brought forth or brought over. But you know what? Uh, that's another thing you learn through this is that uh, it, it's not without its work. You need to have a passion for it because if you don't, you're not willing to put in the work and, uh, other opportunities, good things come out of those things. And so, uh, we have a home in Vancouver, two children born in BC, crazy enough to think that cause I'm an Ontario guy originally and uh, fortunate enough to have stuck with TSN and do some hockey Canada stuff. So yeah, it's, nice. uh, it's a crazy world we live in for everybody yeah. these days, and our industry seems like it's it's only getting uh, uh, more dramatic as as each year passes. But uh, there's still so many good people in it, Chris and and Ryan. I'm just beginning to know you, but uh, I, this is what we love, right? This is the the joy of our job, so to speak, right here. It certainly is words to live by, John. And and like you said, nobody's successful by themselves. I don't care who it is. Bill Gates had somebody helping him. Um, really quick, John. And again, we appreciate you doing this. Great insight. You're officially a friend of the show. You're going to be back on. Um, after this segment, we're going to be talking about some of our favorite sports memories because on Wednesday of this week, it was the five-year anniversary, of course, of Joey Bats going yard on the Rangers. Uh, if you could even pinpoint it down to one, which is so impossible, all the great mo uh, moments we've all seen and the great moments you've been able to call, is there a one sports memory that sticks out that just every time you see a clip of it, your hair stands up a little? 
Oh man, well I'll, I'll comment on the Joey Bats one quick because uh, in in Vancouver and out west here, there's not much love for anything Toronto, and yet uh, if you could have seen the masses become Blue Jays fans during that run, uh, you wouldn't believe it. So everybody literally was on board with that one as they were with the Raptors uh, just last year. But uh, to swing it all the way back. It is tough, and that's a brilliant question, and I'm going to default to last year, and it doesn't mean it takes anything away from that experience, but uh, calling the gold medal game of the World Juniors for Team Canada when it looked like they were done and dusted. You know, they were down 3-1 against Russia. Canada-Russia is so special anytime you get to do one of those games, and to have the comeback uh, put itself forth the way it did, I mean, that for a play-by-play guy. That is the dream to be able to call a championship and to know that it's uh, a, a grander stage than just a, a club team, right? It's the country. Uh, so, man, for me, it's hard. It's hard to top something like that, and uh, I've been fortunate enough to be part of two of those. So, I would say personally, that's pretty high. But uh, so many good ones throughout the years to think of, for sure. There absolutely are. And John, you're going to be part of many more because you're doing such a great job with it. We really appreciate you doing this, man. Uh, We're excited to have you back on the show at some point to talk Canucks, maybe a little bit about the Leafs for Clarkie and uh, and lots more. John Abbott of TSN Radio Vancouver, we really appreciate this, buddy. Thank you so much. My pleasure. You guys know that. And uh, best to you and everyone, uh, your loved ones and families. And uh, anytime you want to chat sports, I mean, that's what we... That's what we all need at this time, don't we? Like, get out of 2020, and uh, we'll we'll do so with some good sports stories, and, and 2021 is going to be that much better, guys. So anytime we can catch up and do this, perfect with me. Thank you. Absolutely. We love it. We'll take a quick break here on MWO Sports. When we come back, like I said, Clarky and I will dissect some of our favorite sports memories, and, of course, we'll touch on the Lakers winning their 17th NBA championship here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury still here with Clarky. We think we're savvy. We're savvy. savvy. We're Sabarin. Sabarin is on a much-needed vacation staycation. I guess that's what they are now. Um, yeah, no savvy this week, but I'm sure he's listening. So we appreciate that, of course. And we appreciate our friend John Abbott for joining us for a lengthy chat about the hockey world. That was great. Uh, real quick, obviously, the Lakers, they win their 17th championship. That equals the Celtics and LeBron gets number four. So uh, like he said, he wants his respect. I don't really know what he meant by that the other night. But uh, at the other side of the Staples Center in Clipperland, uh, Kawhi's got a new head coach and a new assistant. Uh, Tyron Liu is joining as head coach. Chauncey Billups will be joining as an assistant there to try and put the pieces together uh, for Steve Ballmer. Pretty cool. Pretty darn cool. Hey, eh, Steve, there you go. Uh, hopefully they can figure it out. Like we said at the end with John, though, we want to touch on some of our favorite sports memories. Of course, Wednesday this week, the five-year anniversary of Joey Bat just smashing a yard bomb uh, over the Texas Rangers in just an electric moment. And, you know, Clarky, I'm sure for you watching it again and certainly for myself, just what a moment that was. Just such a great moment in Toronto history. Shame it didn't end in a championship. 
Yeah, it is a shame, but still goes down as one of the probably the third biggest home run in Blue Jays history. I can name the Joe Carter home run to win the uh, World Series in 92 and then Robbie Alomar's home run to beat uh, or to give them the lead against Oakland in a series against them. Um, I would say it ranks right up there. Ed Sprague had a big home run, too, but that one, the moment with all the controversy that happened the half inning earlier with uh, Russell Martin's throw hitting the batter and a run scoring and the fans throwing stuff on the field and it was craziness. And then Joey Bats, just the, the emotion of that moment was unbelievable. It really was just an all-time great bat flip, too. And it's kind yes. of funny. Now people are, you know, very a lot more accepting of bat flips. He was getting derided for it. It was a uh, joke. Joey yeah. Bats was the man. I, I loved that. Just the power. It was great. Off the back of that, though, what are some of your yeah. favorite sports memories, Clarky? We touched yeah. on stuff like this before, but, you know, yeah. one or two that just stick out for you, maybe that you witnessed even. I know you've been to a lot of great events that, yeah. that just stick out every time this comes up well the first real moment in my life that a toronto team actually won a championship it actually did happen ryan was the 83 argonauts and uh it was an incredible moment they had two quarterbacks back then one guy is named joe barnes and the other guy was conrad holloway and they both rotated back and forth like there was really not a clear number one my favorite quarterback was conrad holloway but he didn't play too well in that great cup game. And they brought Joe Barnes in and he threw to Cedric Minter in the end zone. And I had finally had a team that had won a championship, even though it was the Canadian football league. But back then it was a pretty big deal. Um, and then 1985, the blue Jays winning the AL East, um, George bell, catching the ball, dropping to his knees out at exhibition stadium. Those things just are etched in my mind and will always be etched in my mind. Um, and then, of course, 92, 93, there's no doubt about those. Um, and then the Leafs Stanley Cup. Oh, no, sorry. They, they haven't done that. <laughs> they haven't done that yet. But I have a spot in my mind for it, Ryan, just so you know. It, yeah. There's a reserve spot, and you it's going to be great. Space. It's going to be great when it happens. But it, those things, like, will. what about I you, guess, Ryan? Well, I guess, for my, I mean, come on. It's uh, the big boy getting the Stanley Cup finally after being the most derided hockey player maybe in NHL history. Uh, finally, Ovi got his palms on that cup and ripped it around like a Russian bear. It was incredible watching him party with that. I partied right along with him. It was incredible. <laughs> I don't blame you. I will never forget the summer of 2018. The tattoo on my right shoulder cements that. Uh, that was incredible, obviously, as the biggest Capitals fan on earth. I always loved it, just moments of, of guys like Ovi finally getting the cup. We could talk about this for hours. Unfortunately, we don't have hours. We've only got an hour to touch on all these great sports uh, hits and uh, moments of the past. We will take one last quick break here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co, and come back with our resident wagering expert from CoolBet, Chris Abbott, right after this. This is MWO Sports. Hey everybody, welcome back to MWO Sports, brought to you as always by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury, Clarkie here to wrap things up for the week. As always, with our resident wagering expert, Chris Abbott from CoolBet. How are you, Chris? I'm good, fellas. Uh, how are you guys doing? I'm I'm getting over 
week five in the NFL, which lasted longer than maybe any week in the history of football. And it was also, you know, top three all time worst betting weeks for me. So <laughs> I, I can't wait till Sunday, just kind of get rid of the juju uh, and maybe bet some on juju as well. But um, yes. yeah, it's, it was a, it was a really bad week for me. Uh, I'm sure people who were betting on Chase Claypool over touchdowns had a good time, and I should have taken you up on that offer, man. The Browns came through for me against Indy. Old Phil Rivers couldn't get her done for you. Uh, let's talk. I should have known. I bet I bet on Phil Rivers, I lose. I bet against Phil Rivers, I lose. It's just the way it always is. Um, listen, I said the Browns weren't going to be able to do it offensively again. I was well wrong. Uh, I know there were some injuries on the Colts side of the ball, but on um, defensive side of the ball, but man, I was, I was wrong. I, I freely admit it. I was wrong. <laughs> well, Chris, you're our wagering expert and Hey, even Wayne Gretzky missed the net sometimes. So take it in stride, pal. Let's talk about Baker Mayfield and those Browns, big, big game Brown Steelers this Sunday. Who do you like in this one? Uh, <laughs> it's a real interesting line right now at three and a half points. Uh, the Steelers are the favorite. Their defense looked human last week, but, um, Odell Beckham was sent home. Uh, he's been unreal. He was sent home ill this week. So I think uh, we're going to see some action come in on the Steelers. Now, as we go forward, uh, I don't know that chase Claypool will, um, repeat what he did last week, but I think it, <laughs> If you're a fantasy football player, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster will probably be a little more open right now, and it's an opportunity for Ben Roethlisberger to go there. But great story about Chase Claypool, AFC Player of the Week, um, Canadian. I mean, just just awesome. So really happy for him. But I'm I'm never going to believe in the Cleveland Browns, so I'll I'll probably bet on the Steelers. I'll probably buy it down to three points, or maybe just parlay the money line. But um, I, I'm a believer in the Steelers, who they could be the best team in uh, the AFC. I agree. I'm on the steel show as well. I think big Ben is proving a lot of people, including myself wrong. He looks great. Packers Bucks, arguably two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Tom Brady in his new home, taking on Aaron Rodgers. This is going to be a big one. Who comes out on top Packers. Uh, yeah. And you know what, Clarky, yeah. I think so too. And I'm looking now at the line. Uh, the Packers are minus one. Now they were minus two and a half to begin the week. That's where I bet them because I thought the line was going to go up. I was wrong. So I'll probably bet them again money line, which is like minus 116 right now. The uh, the Packers look awesome this year. And frankly, Tampa Bay's got a lot of injuries. Um, Brady got sacked a bunch uh, last time out. The only thing, and I think what people are banking on here, is that Tom Brady doesn't usually look bad two weeks in a row. So um, if you believe in that and subscribe to that, Maybe the over is a good play in this game, even though the total is one of the highest of the week. Uh, I think it opened at 54 and a half. It's now at 55 and a half. So uh, this this could very well be a shootout uh, afternoon game, 425 start. He's also yeah. not playing yeah. for the New England Patriots anymore. Like, let's be honest. The Buccaneers are not that good. They've won three games and they haven't beaten that great of opponents. I think they're going to get blown out. But I, you we'll know see. what, Clark? Yeah, I think you're right. I, I think the Packers are are actually underrated, even though they've got a really good record and they they've put a ton of points up. Um, they're they're healthy for the most part. So yeah, I'm uh, I'm big on the Packers this week. That's probably my favorite bet. Although it's always sneaky when you see a lot of money come in on a team and the line goes the other way. And if everybody thinks something's going to happen, uh, like I did with the Colts last week, you, you usually see uh, usually see the opposite. So it's really hard. 
Yeah, it's tough. Tom's pretty clutch and he is my guy, but uh, I'm leaning on Aaron Rodgers in the pack as well. Hammer the over if it's 55. That's a guarantee in my books. Let's talk Chiefs Bills. Last one here. Uh, Both teams are now you know, with a loss in the column, I don't think anybody had both of them coming into this week with a loss. I think everybody banked on one of them being undefeated. Both teams looking for revenge here. Who do you like in this one? Chiefs bills Uh, to win the game. Obviously I like the chiefs a lot, but the spread has gone up a couple of points. It it opened at around a field goal. It's now at five for the chiefs who signed Le'Veon bell on Thursday. So they're only going to get better. I mean, not sure if he plays this weekend. He might, he he very well might. Um, So anytime we've seen the chiefs have a bad game uh, and Mahomes maybe not have the best game offensively, they usually come back and tear the other team, a new one, the bills. uh, We said it before that, uh, you know, they, they, haven't had a tough schedule yet. Um, Tennessee really spanked them on Tuesday. So it's a short week. They've gone through a lot recently, and Kansas City might be primed just to roll into uh, Orchard Park and, and lay the smack down. I'm in full agreement with you there. The Bills might be in trouble here. Pat Mahomes, I mean, when he gets a mean streak going, he tends to throw yard bombs. We'll see how it goes for Buffalo. He is our resident wagering expert from CoolBet. That's Chris Abbott. We appreciate you doing this as always, buddy. We appreciate you guys listening to and watching the show. Remember, you can tune in every Friday at 6 on CKNX AM 920 and CKNX.ca. We're on all the best podcast apps. Follow us on social media. And, of course, watch the show every Friday night at 8, Sunday night at 9 with our friends on White. TV. I am Ryan Drury. He is Clarky for our friend John Abbott and of course Chris Abbott, a show of the Abbots this week. We appreciate you guys listening to and watching MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. 